0: Leaders in tech are burning out at an absurd rate. Control-Alt-Delete with Lisa Jury is a no-BS conversation with one of the top female executives who spent over 25 years in Silicon Valley. If you're suffering from the always-on, enough will we'll-replace-you-today machine called the tech space, this show's for you. Here's Lisa.
1: If you are a woman in tech, or you know a woman in tech, or you manage a woman in tech, I bet you know right now things are not that great for women in tech. Today's guest has been on a mission, a mission to reverse the exodus of women in tech. And I am so excited to have her here. Uh, Karen Worstel, Karen Worstel, thank you so much for joining the Control-Alt-Delete podcast today. I am thrilled to be here
0: with you again, Lisa, and uh... continue this conversation. It's very exciting for me.
1: Oh, oh, okay. And and listen, we all know somebody that knows a woman in tech, or perhaps someone who's not there right now. So everybody lean on in because what's going to happen today and what you need to know, full transparency. uh, Karen and I are in cahoots. We host a clubhouse (laughs) room together on Sundays about burnout prevention and rebooting. She is uh, on such a mission that I just raised my hand and said, how can I play with you? And she's like, come on down, the more the merrier, which is Always what an ally does, right? You lift others up. And so I'm going to give you her formal, her formal intro, but I want to let you know um, this doesn't even do her justice. I'm just, I'm just so in awe of what she brings. But let me just give it to you straight because she's talking to you from the streets. She knows what's up. Mm-hmm. So Karen is a 20-year-plus cybersecurity executive and serial chief information security officer for multiple iconic brands. She's also a chaplain. Based on her experience in tech and her observations of the level of distress of people in tech and her own burnout, as well as people in healthcare delivery, Karen focused on changing the narrative in the workplace. She founded Mojo Maker for Women in Tech to help reverse the exodus of women from the tech sector, and she is the host of the podcast by the same name. And spoiler alert, I wore these colors for you today because they match your brand. <laughs> oh you yeah, you're on brand for me. I thank you so much. You I'm not
0: do. even wearing my brand colors.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I I was on Karen's podcast a while back and when the with the graphic went out, I was like, "I love those colors. Wait. I have a sweater like that." So, yeah, anyway, Karen, oh my gosh, thank you for doing the work that you do. I'm I just want to jump right in and, you know, really help people know why what we're talking about is so important so tell me why did you choose this mission you know what's give me the backstory what's really going on and why why does this matter to you sure you know i
0: was uh, i took a hiatus from my technology career um, starting in about 2013 and decided to get another master's degree and went into chaplaincy training which i really really loved it was at the perfect balance for me from my kind of command and control style that I had adopted in many ways at work. Um, and you know, being so focused on delivery and everything and to go step into this state of being and trying to just be present. And so that was fantastic training for me. But one of the things that happened was that I observed the level of distress among people who are working in healthcare delivery, and this is pre-COVID, it was already really high. And um, we were dealing with issues like physician suicide, um, staff burnout, staff shortages, all kinds of things. So um, and am part of the role as the chaplain is not just to be there for patients and families, although that's a very huge part of the job, but also to be there for staff. So I had that and I was like, hmm, you know, things that make you go, hmm. Like I was watching that <laughs> yeah. and saying, wow, uh, I saw that level of distress in the tech sector. Um, a lot of people that, you know, would come into my office and sit down and we'd have a chat. So that was kind of putting a puzzle piece together. And then I, I an article came out in 2016, and one of the things that it highlighted, it was from the AAUW, and they said, that women were making gains in stem, although small in across all of the stem fields, even engineering, but when it came to computing professions. Women were were dropping like flies we were leaving the profession so in, from not the late 1980s to 2016 that number had dropped from 34% of the technical computing workforce to only about 23% now and it's continued to decline, I think it's around 18% now. And um, that really bothered me because I knew for myself and my story that um, being in technology and having that opportunity to make my mark and my impact there in that industry was so important to me. And it also benefited my family. uh, I mean, financially and, and by extension, my community. So I, I sort of set out to examine what was going on here and in the, and in the process there there is something that really struck me sort of like a ton of bricks and there's a principle in chaplaincy called the principle of proximity. And that means that the chaplain doesn't sit in her field tent his or her field tent away from the action waiting for someone to come from the front line and make an appointment, they go sit in the foxhole and for me. I realized at that moment that my foxhole was in technology. Mm-hmm. So whether I'm there as a technologist or whether I'm there as a person who can make space and hold space for other people, as they're, you know, um, trying to make a better uh, career for themselves, you know, that's where I belonged. So I came. I left my work as a chaplain. At the, I was at the VA hospital in Portland, and uh, left my work there and began working on what can we do to solve the problem for women in tech? And Mojo Maker was born out of that.
1: When I think about what you just said, the thing that really, really stands out for me is that aren't we all on a journey, mm-hmm. right? When you think about all of our personal experiences lead us to something. And you know, for me, I've shared with you my journey when I burnt out in tech and then rebooted and went back in, that's when i was like okay i have to do something too and i'm just i'm so happy i'm not happy that you had the experience do you know what i mean like i'm not gonna like yay what a gift but what i want to say about it is that you had this calling to do something so different to be able to like actually get grounded and be of service and that it comes full circle for you to put those two together because we know it's a crisis right now we know that this is going to have generational effects we know um gosh, even the latest statistics when I was doing some work last week, like 1.5 million women have still left the workforce. Not all in tech. I understand that, but um, Houston, we got a problem. Yeah. 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 yeah, um,
0: Especially with COVID. I mean, we took a huge step back. I hear, I hear numbers and I don't have official statistics of my own, but I hear numbers from other people saying things like the women in the technology workforce, which is, which has not been the easiest place for women to work over the last 30 years. And we are set back 10 years as a result of the COVID pandemic. So um, for the number of women who may had to make a choice that you cannot, you can only cram so many potatoes into a potato sack, you know, that's what my dad used to tell me. So the idea that we have all of this stuff, demanding our time at work and and then you know as we were seeing this happening with okay we've got so much on our plate already but thank god we have opportunities for those women who have households and are mothers and or have extended family members that they are responsible for um you you can you can't
1: outsource everything you know and i've tried (laughs) As have I, my friend. Yeah. When you think about the women in tech, um, uh, there's such from a salary standpoint, at least in Silicon Valley, where I spent my career, um, you could hire a house cleaner, you could have your groceries delivered. A lot of people had nannies, right? You could pay for childcare. And when COVID hit, like the world stopped. And it's like all that outsourcing that could at least keep it running, keep the system, which is your household running stopped. You know, it was so interesting. I really want to get your perspective on this. So I was talking to a client yesterday. This is like real time. Talking to a client yesterday. She says, "We know, we have diversity, inclusion, and equity conversations now at all our offsites for our leaders. And some of the men in the room were like, I don't care if you're a man or a woman. I don't care if you're black, brown, or white. Like, that's not, it. That's not what I care about. I care about that you can get the job done. And there was um, a very small number of women, I think maybe two in the room, the rest were men. And, you know, there's something about being the only one or the fewer in the room where the the power, you know, is off. Um, But these women chose to step up and say, you should care, you know, and they they were talking to me going, what should I have said? Did I do it right? What do you think? And I'm thinking, we have the mojo maker here. I want (laughs) to ask you the question. So in a situation where you might be the only one in the room, or it's someone you really love, who's not in tune enough to really understand, like we have an opportunity to educate in a way that we want them to hear it so that they can see why it's important. So why is it important for women to stay in tech and thrive in tech? Like, how can we help leaders that don't, I'm going to use air quotes for anyone listening, get it. How do you help them get it, Karen? What's the secret here? Yeah,
0: well, I wish I knew the, the answer, but I'll tell you, um, there's a story, and I usually try to tell a story mm-hmm. so that I'm not being, it's a, it's a great way to make an illustration without being super direct, right? I love it, yeah. But, but one of the things that I invite people to consider is that we have created the great corporate blender, the corporate bland blender. Right. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we bring people from every conceivable diverse perspective and we put them in the corporate blender and turn them all to bland. Mm -hmm. It's like I call it bland beige. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, We take what that does is and, and not every single company is like this, but those that haven't really got it yet bring in all of this incredibly powerful diversity of thought because that's who we are as a community as a world right as a population of customers or whatever that might be they look at things from all different angles and when we are delivering services to our clients we have to be able to look at things through their lenses and and not just not just the headspace, but have actually enough of the variety internally to be able to step into that um, space empath- empathically, if you want to call it that, right? It's not my lived experience to know what it's like to be Black in America. I need people who have that experience. And I need to honor the fact that they have that experience by not trying to pretend that that's not who they are. And that's critically important. Um, and the companies they we've got the proof, right? That the companies who are kind of, um, cracking that, uh, that problem open and, and solving it are getting better results. So, um, it's the right thing to do, but it's also getting, better results for companies and so I I just really invite people to not not um adopt the bland beige you know mindset which is what it really is when people say I don't see color Mm -hmm. I I don't I don't see you I you to me are a unit that gets work done is about as bland beige as it gets
1: man I okay
0: (laughs) Now, my problem is I would probably say that in
1: the meeting. <laughs> right. No, I love it. And here, and here's the thing that um, really, like, I got a tickle in my throat when you were talking. So to me, that's like, that's a really divine download. Um, the lived experience, right? So when someone is saying, I don't see color or gender, I just need the engineer to get the job done, right? The The reality is the lived experience is what does make it richer. And I think you know, you and I talk about burnout a lot. Right. And I know women in tech are burning out like crazy. I mean, listen, tech is the always on never good enough. We'll replace you tomorrow. Right. So that is bland beige, isn't it? Like I never really, you and I've talked so much. I've never made that connection before, but to have a a leader who is like, I value opinions. I want this to work for everybody. Um, So we're going to have a diverse team on, you know, making these decisions and having input you're just stronger for it. So it's, it's almost like it's so obvious. Like, how do you convince someone? It's so obvious. Um, so I really appreciate this um, yeah. kind of analogy that you shared. I think that that can be really powerful for people. Yeah. And one of the things that I heard the other day that really, really struck with me, and I didn't know this and I do a lot, you know, I'm, I live in tech, but somebody had said, do you realize that um, some of the AI that's being leveraged right now, even for like a soap dispenser, um, a white hand goes under it and the soap recognizes your hand, but a black hand goes under it and they don't recognize it as a hand. And I'm like, boy, I thought I had a handle on this, but it goes way deeper than, Gosh. and I was just so blown away by that. So that's another case to be like, you need the lived experience to even test out what you're doing, right? let's be part of the design conversations in the first place. Right, one of my favorite
0: things to do is to go Google search on, or Bing, or I'm an equal opportunity searcher. So <laughs> is, but, um, to go out and do a search on technology fails. Oh, love because it. Because you can trace back, and these, and these are not small fails, these are billion, multi-billion dollar write-offs in some cases, mm-hmm. that uh, product worked fine, design was fine there were so many things but it wasn't appropriate for the audience mm-hmm. and the 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 issue that we have right now in tech and why this is such a critical issue in my mind mm-hmm. is that technology runs everything it it runs the, all the decision making systems, it runs our financial systems. By default, it runs our financial systems in some cases, right? It runs um, our smart cities, it runs everything. And if we are baking bias into that, it's like carving it into bedrock. Mm-hmm. It won't come out easily. And this is the time we already have a history of seeing what happens when that is done just like you mentioned with the soap dispenser voice recognition is another place where that happens pretty frequently right women's voices don't get recognized and so we need to we need to get this whole perspective in there and start engineering all of our systems in a way that is an inclusive engineering function otherwise we will be baking Inherent bias into everything we already we see it in so many places that are so painful, we see it in the way our systems recognize people or don't recognize people on camera. Mm-hmm. You know and we're reading more and more about that, but yeah this is a critical issue for us, so I mean there should be the real I think it's a little bit far fetched for for most people who, you know, we are all dealing with a lot of things in our lives and we all tend to focus on the things that are in front of us that are part of our daily life. It's up to us who are in technology to do the work for technology that says, this is why this is so important for all of us to do it. Let's figure out how to make
1: this happen. So
0: not wait for somebody else to tell us.
1: Well, spoken from the Mojo Maker founder, do you know, like this is it. Like, I, I, you're so succinct when you say it too. So it's. I feel like we're going to have all these bite-sized pieces that people can even leverage. Right. So when you're listening to this episode and you feel like somebody doesn't get it, just share the episode, have a conversation with your team. What's the reaction to this, right? Because what Karen's talking about uh, is really actionable. It's, it's, you can have, you can lean into a conversation, look around and go, Hmm, what, what are we missing on this project? Who isn't represented? What should we be doing? That's what, that's the question we should be asking. Who is isn't
0: here?
1: Who isn't here?
0: and uh, and how do we find them and so i hear it so much over the last four years i've heard this well we don't we can't find the people and i'm like that's you don't find you don't catch fish when you're throwing your hook into the wrong pool totally right yeah so you you you've got the hr background and you know how true this is right the whole process the whole place of where you go look there was a really good article in harvard business review not long ago that that essentially said we have to not just decide we're going to do this at work because we can't do it at work unless we do it in our life mm-hmm. right so for it's human nature for us to want to hang out with people who are like us it makes you know there's a shared culture kind of a thing in so it does make it does make things go a little more easy or easily Mm -hmm. but um the truth of it is is that we tend to recruit and we tend to hire from the pools of people that we know and who's in our circle so in order for us to really make this change happen in tech we need to change the way we network we need to change the way we hang out with other people Mm -hmm. we need to change that, you know, if we have a club that we go to, that we hang out at, and that club all looks like us, we aren't going to get there from here.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And it's asking people to do something that actually goes against the easy and asks us to do something challenging that will make us think about it all of the time. But that's what I mean, so many people like to practice mindfulness. This is a way this is a form of mindfulness.
1: Oh my am I, gosh. Yeah. Am I
0: mindful inclusively?
1: hmm hmm yeah. yeah. And I think it requires intention too. So even me on my own journey, I used to always talk about women in tech and then I never really brought color into it, right? Until the Black Lives Matter movement really happened. And I have a daughter now. So I got really curious and started thinking back to history and really you know, having conversations about school. And one of the things I realized was, I had privilege as a white woman in tech, and that sounds so funny to say because I was so like women, women, right? And I thought, yeah, I there's so much that I didn't even see because of my own lived experience that I really started to get curious and open the conversations. And I'm going to tell you, I flopped, man. I said some things, and I'm like, how did that come out of my mouth, right? And this whole being human, I I thought, you know what? I have to. I I now know I have to do something about this because. I clearly don't have all the insight that I thought I did and I'm going to go be curious and I'm going to be imperfect and I'm going to figure it out. But, um, boy, when you flop those conversations, right. And you think you really know what you're talking about and you don't, that that's a huge um, awareness. And every time I flopped and I had the conversation, someone would say, thank you for trying. Like they'd Mm -hmm. never be like, oh, you're a jerk. And I'm never talking to you again. It's like, thank you for trying and you know Brene Brown calls it circling back like I would go off and reflect and come back and say can we revisit that because this is what's been going on and I think that's missing at work I think people are so afraid to have these conversations to even open it up they just like dismiss it all and keep on going and I, I really believe that a way for this to change is for people to actually do it poorly at first and circle back and have space to be human and with your intention of being curious, like state that, be yeah. very transparent that I'm uncomfortable and I'm probably going to mess this up, but I'm going to do it anyway. Cause I know it's important. Yeah. Did you know,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, there's no, probably no one right way. My choice is first of all, well, first of all, let me say I have fluffed it so many times so badly. Um, and I just have to own that, right? I mean, there's probably people who might listen to the show and they're like going, "Yeah, I remember when you like <laughs> did this thing." Right? And and yes, I did. And uh and the commitment to that is not to shut that off and pretend like it didn't happen, but to say that that can't happen again. How do I learn and do better? Right. Yeah. And and so as we're on that path of how do I change this and learn better? Um, being under what I call that big umbrella of mercy, right, uh, with a heavy dose of grace has is been, is been really helpful. But I will also say that I have um, colleagues who also feel like extending grace is something that they've done for generations. Mm-hmm. They haven't really had a choice. Grace yeah. was the only option, and they're really tired of that.
1: Yeah.
0: So we shouldn't rely on grace as the de facto way we're going to handle this. Like, I'm going to go in if I fluff it. Oh, well, grace, but to right. say, yes, um, all right. I fluff that I'm, I am sorry. And let's try again. Like you just said, I yeah. love that. It's yeah. Like we, we can't, we have to change it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And the thing that I um, I really appreciate about what you're doing for women in tech in, in the this mass exodus that's happening is you're coming at it from so many different angles. So like one of it is you know just gender, okay? Then another of it is culture. Another of it is recruiting. I mean, there's so many layers of this and um, you and I have this um, common mission about eradicating burnout as well. And I think this is a good segue. So I wanna ask you this yeah. question. When I think about, women in tech and um, you know how we were talking about the beige blender and how we look like our, you know, who, who we surround ourselves with. Um, I guess I fundamentally have an opinion on this and I want to see if I would love you to educate me and see if I'm on the right track or if you want to steer me in a different way. I think the the way we work has to change that. If you want women in tech, you need a flexible work environment. And if you want women in tech, you're going to need to figure out how to staff. Now I I get that it's all about profits, people. I get it. And if you staff with amazing women, because I work with women back to work, getting the returners back in, they're so loyal and they're willing to do it all. And they're all in and they're so excited about it, but they're going to need flexibility. And I think that that's true for even um, anyone who needs extra grace right now, or even a little bit of grace, because they're so... um, They're tired and weighed down and like, it's all heavy, but yet tech is just like, nope, next tape out, next product release, go, go, go. And I feel, um, I guess my question for you is, do you agree with me or what am I missing? Because I I think you can have profits, productivity and flexibility. I don't think you have to choose revenue over relationships. And I think tech forgets that there's human beings doing the work Mm -hmm. in some, I'm not saying every company's like this, but i believe it's a culture thing. Yeah. And i just want your thoughts on that. You know, educate me, agree, disagree, it's all good, you know, you know how we go, but yeah, yeah, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah. The um so not like you just i love that you said not everybody's like this and for sure not every manager is like this. I've had i've been fortunate to have incredibly great managers for the most part. The 2% that we're not are extraordinarily stick the, the, notable. Yeah, notable <laughs> and right. we won't talk about that, but yeah. um, yes, we need to have uh, a environment that does allow for people to do their best work so. If I have an environment where I say, these are the boundaries, these are the rules. This is how everybody's going to be treated the same. And I've got 2 people who are carrying like a really incredible load on the outside that. Whatever that might be in my case, I took care of elders at home 5 times Um, and that put an enormous strain on everything and. If I don't have the latitude to be able to make accommodations for that, I will never be at my best contribution at work. And everybody loses in that case, right? Mm-hmm. It's a win-win when we create an environment where people all shine. I think you get much higher morale. Like if you want to do morale, don't do a morale budget and go get a drink cart and go around <laughs> office totally. to office at five o'clock. I mean, I've I've actually participated in that. Yep, yep. And, um, and it's just so misplaced. Um, so if you really wanna have morale, it's like, what do you need in order to be the best mm-hmm. you can be at work? What does that look like? And um, you know, there's, there's models of organizations that have done that. And I'm, I'm just listening now to Tammy Simon's book called Being True. Mm-hmm. And she's the publisher for Sounds True. And um, I just want to give her a shout out because this is the most amazing book. But as a publisher of, you know, a very large publishing house um, in a very specific niche, they decided to focus on culture. And she talks in the book about what a difference that made for her company. And there's a number of companies that are like that. So. um, The other thing I just want to kind of offer to people is invite you to consider that the, the success of your outer life of your business is is inextricably wound around your inner health, like the health of your inner life. And if we can't help people have a healthy inner life, not that I need to be responsible for it, but that they own it and we don't get in the way of it, then we will never have the company that we dream of. In terms of you know its its productivity and uh, creativity, so yeah, that's my take. I I
1: appreciate it. Yeah, I I, I appreciate you gave me a couple of nuggets here. And the thing I know is that I really want to highlight it's not everywhere. And I think if you're a leader listening in right now, you have a lot more power than you think, right? Like coming from HR, I'll just I'm gonna look around. You know, this is when I'm in corporate. Look around. There are rules that are bendable, people. Right. But if you don't ask, then there's nothing you can do. So, as a leader, if someone on your team needs some flexibility and you don't feel like you can give it to them, go to your HR partner and be like, Hey, so and so is amazing. This is in the way. I have some ideas. You know, and Jedi mind trick the HR person and be like, I look forward to you helping me solve this problem. I'm excited to collaborate with you on a solution. Do you know what I mean? Like, you kind of just wave the wand and you hold this HR person, your partner capable and willing rather than HR is the police and they make all the rules and they don't get it. HR gets it. They don't want to be told what you're doing after the fact. They want to know ahead of time so they can partner with you, help you find extra budget. Hey, finance, it's quarter closed. We got some money. This guy needs it for so-and-so, you know, and that they'll work with the employee too, to be creative with that. I mean, how much more power do you have that you don't know, you know, Oh my gosh. I mean, t- talk to me about this. Where have you been creative, Karen? Let's let's give some people some tangible ideas on how, as a leader, regardless of your position, um, you've been, what have you done to advocate for your team and create, you know, a unique situation so that they could. Oh goodness. <laughs> I, you know, um, so I, I want to caveat
0: this by saying I learned really well from my mistakes. Of course. Uh, yes. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I will say that that when we were at the Silicon, we had a Silicon Valley startup. Uh, we were spun out of Stanford Research Institute International, of the SRI International.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, during the dot-com bubble, our investors pulled out and um, we had... A very, very tenuous situation for everybody who was in the company at the time, and I, I was the CEO of the company for a short while with a specific responsibility to do the media and investor tour and get the company sold. Okay, so on here we are in a situation where we've got a lot of people who whose livelihoods are dependent upon us who have families. Um, Yes, there were layoffs at different points of time, but at this point, we had a core group of people, I think about 135 people were all that was left, and we had to somehow get through the next few months while we were getting the company sold to continue doing things we were known for, which was highly creative, innovative work. We had to continue to deliver on our clients in com- you know, our commitments to clients. We had to continue creating new product like and and in the background, I'm going into a board meeting every single Monday. And it was a little bit like waiting for a pope to be you know, picked because <laughs> it was like you waited for the you know, the smoke that would come yes. up and it would and we would know if if I was going to walk out of that room, say everybody's laid off, go home or yeah. we had another week to live. And um, that was my dilemma as a leader. And um, I won't say that this is necessarily the very best thing I could have done. We already had like foosball tables and a stocked fridge and all of that kind of jazz. Mm -hmm. But I came out and I said, look, every single person in here has my blessing and my expectation that you will do what is right for your family. That you will do, you will make the decisions that you need to make. And I want you to stay obviously from, for for, the, for what we're trying to accomplish here, I need you, but that's not the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know your story, but if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. Um, and the thing that tells me that that was the right choice was that we had 0% attrition. Wow. Nobody left and um, they knew that they could at any time and that, and, and that I you know, I understood, but they didn't go. So all, I think sometimes
1: people just need to know that we see them. Oh, it's yeah, this is a mic drop moment. You didn't throw money at it. You didn't change anything. You, you honest to God dealt with what I heard you say was, here's the reality and here's how I feel about it right? I see you. I get that this is um, uncertain. I understand you've got, you know, this is so complex and uncertain. If you need to go, go. And it, basically I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to badmouth you. <clears throat> you know, all of the things that I think people are afraid of, afraid of. Mm-hmm. like how many companies I've seen in tech where if someone leaves, they are treated, there when someone resigns, they're treated so poorly because right. you left me hanging instead of like, wow, good for you. You know, let's, let's part ways in a, in a positive way so that we're all feeling good about it. And it's just, it's like, you've left us. And, and so I, what you're modeling here, what you're sharing, I think is so important, um, especially yeah. for women leaving the workforce right now, don't make them feel crappy, support them and see what happens too. Right. I, it's, it's a beautiful example. I love it.
0: It, that I had nothing to work with. So all I yeah. can, uh, you know, it's just like, I see you, like we get this, we're in it together. Um, and you need to do whatever it is you need to do.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but you know, I have never been perfect at this. I get that there's been, there's been so many cases where that, and, and this is part of the burnout conversation that you and I have, right? Yeah. When I'm in my burnout brain, I'm not making those kinds of magnanimous, wonderful moments. Yeah, (laughs) for anybody. Uh, (laughs) And I've certainly been, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's people that can remember some of those moments that I've, that I've, you know, been a part of. And uh, I, all I can do now is say yes. And Mm -hmm. that was an amazing learning moment. And it won't happen
1: again. Well, uh, well, welcome to being human. Do you know? Yeah, welcome to being human. Honest to goodness. Like, you leadership doesn't come with like it's I think about like when I had my daughter there was no playbook you know it was like everybody had an opinion on how you should do it and I just had to figure out how to do it myself with her and my husband But talk about being overwhelmed and I think leaders right now there's no playbook for dealing with a pandemic post-pandemic hybrid work how do you be flexible when we're used to just telling everybody you know be in the office there's there's no playbook for this and so I feel like it's such a an opportunity to bring your humanness in. And yeah. I'm not saying, listen, I believe love belongs at work, and people always look at me like I'm nutballs. I don't even care. I'm not talking about romantic love. I'm talking about love for humanity, love for your fellow colleague, um, empathy, social, um, social, and what is it called? Emotional intelligence, like just recognizing there's so much more to this. And so, your example, I think, is so awesome because. There was nothing else except for you, your values and your voice. Mm -hmm. And so many times that's all people need is just to see, feel witnessed. I mean, that's what we do in clubhouse. (laughs) It's not like Karen and I in clubhouse are like teaching classes. Karen and I literally host a room. We open up the doors, people show up and it's ask me anything. And we Mm -hmm. just talk from our heart, share our own experience. And people come back week after week saying, I tried that. This helped. Thanks for seeing me. I didn't even know how to talk about it. You know? Right. Yeah. That's so true. Um, Yeah. Very true. So I'm going to ask you about burnout and I'm going to ask you um, when you think about all of that's going on and everything that we've talked about, even in our, you know, in our podcast time together, in our clubhouse rooms and just in life, what's your, what's your hope for the future? Like what's one thing we can think about that this like, lens on burnout and lens on women leaving tech, knowing that it's being talked about more, you know, imagine a future where these are no longer here. Like what's possible? What's the hope that you have? Do you hold on to Yeah. I was just, you know,
0: I was just listening to the, um, so I get the Wall Street Journal on my Audible account and I can listen to it every morning. Yeah. And they were talking about how we are perched on, we're already in the beginnings of unprecedented growth, like people are talking about this is what the Spanish flu is like now, this is the roaring 20s. Like we have um, things just feel so hopeful and open and things as we're, you know, kind of coming off the tail end of this pandemic. And I think we're going to see like lots of shift tons of shift and there's things that we've never had to deal with before that we're going to have to deal with so we may have a lot of growth we'll have talent shortages we had them before the pandemic in some places now we have them everywhere um we have people who are struggling to recover from the pandemic and um and that's very um That's a very uneven application. It's not like it affected everybody equally. Mm -hmm. And and so we're gonna have to deal with that challenge. We're gonna have to deal with the fact that we've got entire countries and populations of people who are still laid low by this pandemic. And we're gonna be moving in a world that looks geopolitically and demographically really different. Mm -hmm. And um, it's easy, I think, in a in our typical fashion of overachievers, right? To wanna look at everything and kind of like, um, I'm gonna deal with this and I'm gonna deal with that. And I'm being pulled in a million different directions. Um, You said something though, that I wanna kind of circle back to, because I think this is really important as we navigate this, Mm -hmm. Um, it's tempting. And this used to, so there's there's this concept of a primary question. What is the primary question that drives you at the core of everything you do? and i realized at one point in my career for most of it probably that my primary question was what do i need to fix today Mm -hmm. which meant that i was always looking for what was broken yep and the good news with that was i was an incredibly valuable asset (laughs) yeah when a company needed somebody to fix things Mm -hmm. because i could see that right that was what i was wired for but the presupposition of that is everything is broken and and in a world where we have so much changing and so much in flux if we take the primary question of everything is broken what do we have to fix we're gonna i believe we're gonna miss the huge opportunity to transform the world we're in Um, And my new primary question, when somebody pointed that out to me and they said, you need a new primary question, Mm -hmm. my new primary question is, how can I see and celebrate the beauty in every person around me?
1: Say it again. I want to make sure this really lands. The new primary question is, how can I see
0: and celebrate the beauty in every person I see around me? it changes. It's a game changer when I'm no less productive than I was before, but my wiring and my brain is focused on the relationship. And I see you, I value you. Mm -hmm. I see you in the positive, not in the what's broken category. And that's what I focus on um i believe if we can do more of that and i'm not going to be perfect at it right yeah. i have a lot of history doing what's broken but <laughs> yeah you know that's my yeah. it's on my board i have it up on my whiteboard right here so that i see it every single day mm. and and if we can focus on you know what is right how do we make it more right how do we make sure that it's more inclusive how do we make sure that I'm focused on the right things and I'm not letting myself be pulled in a bazillion different directions because I think everything's broken and I have to fix it? Yeah. I think we, have, we stand a much better chance of kind of surfing this heavy wave that's kind mm-hmm. of coming our way. Yeah. Um, and take advantage of the incredible world-changing, never before in history have we had this, the entire world involved in something and on a reset like we have right now.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I can see it in your eyes. Yeah. 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 And You know, this kind of conversation that we have there can be so much about what's wrong and we're going to fix it and blah 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 and that's exactly why I asked you about the hope because here's what I know energy your energy your your thoughts are your, create your energy your energy creates momentum and I don't want to sit in the sludge about what's broken I want to stay in the space of what's possible and how, where we're going. Yeah. And when you said that um I realized I've had my primary question and I really never knew it but mine is always what would love do and i think that's why i talk about love at work it's always been and i'm not talking codependent love or romantic oh, love right, it, right. just love for humanity right and oh my gosh everyone listening aren't we all wired in tech to identify the problem it's always about is there a bug or a code issue heck anyone in cyber you are wired to do that all day every day
0: yeah and
1: to be able to yeah right to flip that switch and be like I see value in everyone I you know what am I looking for like what you what do they say what you measure um, changes or whatever like what you're looking at matters. Um, I love this primary question I, my call to action for everybody right now <clears throat> ask yourself just see what shows up right and one of the things that I know for me always um, helped is how do you want to feel. Right, that how is do you want to feel?
0: I have used your question about how do you want to feel so
1: many times. It's the oh, best question ever. I love ever. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know how I want to feel loving, which to me is inclusive, right? Which to me is honest, which to me is human. So yeah, how do I want to feel loving? And oh my gosh. Yeah, there, there you go. So, primary question: if you are looking to fix things, here's your opportunity to elevate your own um energy, honestly, and your innovation, quite honestly, that w- that's what happens, right, Karen? I mean, when you're looking at it through the lens you're offering, so much more possibility can be there. Yeah. I love yeah. this. I love this. I love this. Okay. <laughs> so let me ask you this for our playlist. We got to, we're going to add a Karen song to our playlist. When you are in a funk or feeling down and you know, you really need to get out of that. And I, I believe music is, you know, for the soul and it helps us there. What's your go-to song? Oh, my
0: gosh, I have a few. Okay. So I made a playlist on Spotify on the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech playlist. Um, I um, so I'm trying to think of the name. There's a song from the movie Zootopia that I really love. Oh, yeah, uh, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. But um, the one that I would say is probably the one I use the most is um, on top of the world. Oh. Um, uh, I like
1: Imagine Dragons. So- oh, oh imagine, so- imagine. Look at me. I'm going old school. <laughs> I think I just did like the carpenters or something. <laughs> How does "On Top of the World" by Imagine Dragons go? I want to. I don't know if oh I'm gonna, I'm, I. Oh my goodness! I have to play. know it. I,
0: I'm not. Oh, okay, it's okay. Carrying the tune in the moment. Yeah, there. I feel you. I feel you. Um, then... That and the other song is, um and it's it's uh, "Whatever It Takes" by Imagine Dragons.
1: Okay, so w- listen, people, we've got Imagine Dragons in the house, right? Yeah, Imagine Dragons. It's yeah. A good, yeah. Okay. And I bet you the Zootopia song is one of my faves too. try everything.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Try everything. That's yes. it. Thank you for.
1: The line,
0: I, I have,
1: down,
0: so yeah, so they, I have my little speaker here. Like I, my little, I love speaker, it. Yeah. Which I play off my phone and then, um, yeah, if I need to just really rock it out, I'll crank it up in the car and
1: love it. Yeah so many times I'll do dance parties. I just was like, yeah. I got to turn it up now. You know, yeah. you know,
0: that's the best antidote. Honestly, it's like my energy level's really low. Blah, blah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to meet with anybody till my energy level is improved. Yeah. So that's yeah. when I turned, in fact, I had it on just to make sure double sure I had it on before the podcast. So.
1: Oh, I love it. Well, you remember you showed up glowing. I was like, Karen, you look amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. So clearly it works. All right. So where can people find you? Because here's the deal. Karen has amazing resources and tools out there. And I think everyone needs to know how to find you oh, what's the best you. way.
0: Yeah. So you can always get a hold of me at my email, Karen at com. Um, I'm all over on LinkedIn and other places. My, our website is com, and you'll find information there about some of the things that we do and what's coming up and some of our past media events.
1: So, Awesome. And I want to ask about the one thing that I know everyone needs to know about. And that's your flame proof um, guide. Oh, right. I don't want to miss that. I think it's just so yeah. important to end with something that they can actually download. And listen, people in clubhouse download this and bring it into meetings. So this is okay. no joke. So yes, yeah. tell us about that.
0: Yeah, we've seen amazing results with that. And uh, in the clubhouse group, people have yep. used it. And so um, if you go out, we, we made a, a website just for the downloading the flame proof guide. It's at um, be an ally today. Um, Really believe that friends don't let friends burn out. Mm. So, yeah, go out there, be an ally and download the guide and read it for yourself and then use it with your team.
1: I love it, Karen. I could, I, I just, I'm so grateful to have met you. Um, I am so grateful to have built this relationship with you to amplify what we work on. And I'm, I'm inspired by what you do um, for everybody listening in, you know, give her a shout out, go find her on LinkedIn, download the Flameproof proof guide, join us in clubhouse. I mean, you don't want to miss the wisdom and the insight that Karen shares. I mean, it's just, um, it's life-giving. And I'm, I'm very grateful for your time today. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. And I got it. I just have to say, you know what? It's better together for sure. Oh, we make a good team. And make I'm so grateful that, we, uh, that we're together and doing this work together and on Clubhouse together. So yeah, join us on Sunday nights.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Karen. All right, everybody, make it a great day. Ask yourself what your primary question is. Go listen to a song that lights your spirit and go get that flameproof guide. You don't want to miss it. Take good care. That was great content,
0: but let's be honest. If you don't get the support you need and start making changes in your life and work as a leader in tech, you can expect regret and burnout in the near future. Lisa can help you get kick-ass results at work without burning out so you can be present for the moments that matter to you and your loved ones. Take your first step at RebootWithLisa.com.